Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. You are listening to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at fantasy football underscore TCK pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. You can find all of our rankings and multiple articles at TCKpod.com. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. What up, TCK Potters? Welcome back to the program. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. Another episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, a.k.a. TCK Pod. With me today, once again, my man, Bobby Lamarco, a.k.a. Fantasy Football X Factor. Bobby, how you doing, brother? Sky, ready to talk about some wide receivers. Yes, sir. Let's get into it. On Tuesday of last week, Bobby and I broke down the uh, top 24 quarterbacks from 2020, how they ended up and how they uh how they finished the season and how they ended up there. Um, Lucas and Dweez took over the running backs on Thursday of last week. So if you missed out on those dial back one week for those two episodes, Bobby and I are going to go through the top 24 wide receiver finishes from 2020. And then Bobby and Dweez are going, or excuse me, uh, Lucas and Dweez are going to get into um, the tight ends on Thursday to really tie a bow on 2020. Then we can move in with free agency around the corner, move into 2021. Uh, Bobby, before we get into it, we're a little late uh, here. Again, rolling it down to two episodes per week these days. We went five for fucking months, dude, and we just need to <laughs> take a breath um, in the offseason. So we're down to two episodes pretty much right after we ended the uh, podcast last week. The Carson Wentz news broke from Indianapolis to Philadelphia. We don't need to dial too deep into this. Um, I just want to get like kind of knee-jerk reactions on Carson Wentz going to Philadelphia and Philadelphia now with hypothetically Jalen Hurts behind the saddle here. Before we get into wide receivers, quick thoughts on Carson Wentz to um, to the Colts and Jalen Hurts, hopefully, in my opinion, taking over for the Eagles. Share the wealth. I love this offseason, you know? You get a quarterback. You get a quarterback. It's fantastic. Oh, dude, we're far from done, too. Yeah, There's a lot left. I love it. Um, listen, so from the Colts' standpoint, I think they T.Y. Hilton might depart. If he doesn't, I think with T.Y. Hilton, Pittman, uh, you know, Zach Pascal, those tight ends, I think that he's in a much better situation Carson Wentz. He's a true pocket passer behind a very good offensive line. We'll see what they do at left tackle because Anthony Costanzo just retired. But it's a much better situation. Carson Wentz technically with Jacoby Brissett. Brissett's not going to really challenge him like Jalen Hurst will necessarily. So I think his confidence will grow. Back with Frank Wright, good offensive line. I think this is a plus for him. But I think it's good news for Mike, guys like Michael Pittman uh, who can grow in the second year of his scheme. We just saw, like we touched on with Tom Brady, how well he did going into an established situation. Maybe Wentz could do something similar. For Hurts, I'm all in. I love it. I mean, mobile, he runs, he, he's the guy you look for, right? They, what they really need is a true number one wide receiver. Will that happen this off season through the draft? Will they, you know, is, is, uh, is the current situation with the guys they have now with Jalen Rager, you know, is he truly a number one Travis Fulgram? They just released all their veterans, right? So uh, is Zach Ertz on the way out? Is it going to move to more of a three wide receiver dominant offense? I think, I love Hertz. I'm all in. I'm watching videos. He's already after it. He's already going after it. He's already calling meetings with his teammates. I'm in. I'm watching him all offseason. I'm going to target him in double-digit rounds all day. I agree. I'm not sure. If, if, if they don't pick up somebody in the draft and they don't get a quarterback out of free agency, I don't think you're going to be able to get him in <laughs> double-digit rounds mm. come draft season. You just won't. Uh, if he is definitely the starter and he's got that dual-threat ability um, that we see taking over the NFL, uh, I think he's going to be a middle round guy with honestly, probably the potential, like a Kyler Murray. I'm not saying he's Kyler Murray yet, but getting him in like the sixth or seventh round and he could finish if he stays healthy and runs, he could finish, you know, top 10, top eight um, in a full season. 
now we know that there's concerns there with the weapons in Philadelphia. They let go of Deshaun, uh, Deshaun Jackson, they let go of Alshon Jeffrey. Um, Zach Ertz is probably on his way out, maybe to Indianapolis with Carson Wentz. Um, maybe they go with a Kyle Pitts or something to replace him. They, there's a bunch of receivers, obviously. Miles Sanders hopefully gets uh, let loose this year. We'll see what happens in Philadelphia. I'm with you, though. I'm also all in on Jalen Hurts. For Carson Wentz, I think it is an upgrade with the Colts overall. My only concern is potentially uh, the super hype factor on Jonathan Taylor, the way that he finished 2020. Um, I don't know if it was play calling. I don't know if it was Wentz. I don't know if it was the Eagles who are different than the Colts, blah, blah, blah. But Miles Sanders never really got what we could taste in the two years with Carson Wentz. Um, I just hope that Carson Wentz, whatever it is, Carson Wentz doesn't slow down the maturity potentially of Jonathan Taylor. That's really my only concern with the situation over there. Otherwise, I do think it's an upgrade. And T.Y. Hilton potentially out on free agency as well. Michael Pittman, Paris Campbell, if he can stay healthy. Zach Paschal, as you mentioned. Jack Doyle mm-hmm. is the only tight end for now. But I think they bring somebody else in, maybe uh, Zach Ertz. Okay, so just quick thoughts on that. I know it's old news, listeners. Uh, I mean, you've probably heard this for four or five days, but we haven't talked about it on the podcast. I wanted to bring it up quickly. All right, man, without any further ado, let's get into the top 24 wide receivers from 2020. This is episode 363 of the TCK pod. If you have not yet, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter. We're also formerly on TikTok now at TCK pod on TikTok. Just started out there. Please give us a follow. Tell your friends and family and a share. Also, leave us a comment below before we even get into this. Let us know maybe your top three favorite and most productive wide receivers that you had on your teams, whether it was Tay Adams and Tyree kill at the top, or maybe it was somebody down at the bottom, like a Marvin Jones, Brandon cooks, somebody like that, who was uh, maybe not a league winner, but a week winner. Certainly occasionally let us know some of those comments in below and subscribe right here to the YouTube channel. All right, Bobby, let's get into it. My man, we'll go again in groups of four. So we'll give you four names. I'm going to give you some blanket stats over the top. I'm going to turn Bobby loose and I'll come back over the top after that. Top four fantasy wide receivers. And of course, this is full PPR. And we took 16.5, 16 and a half PPR points was the average for a week one finish. A top 12 finish on the week on average was 16 and a half PPR points. So when I go through and I say it, a guy was, you know, finished at this at, at uh, on average, that's 16 and a half points on that uh, particular week. So at the top, no surprise here, Devontae Adams, first overall by 30 PPR fantasy points ahead of Tyreek Hill. Incredible. Devontae Adams, number one overall, number one in points per game. Tyreek Hill, number two overall, number two in points per game. Stephon Diggs, first year in Buffalo, number three overall, number three in points per game. First change, number four overall in PPR, DeAndre Hopkins, first year in Arizona, number five, though, in points per game. So once again, Adams, Hill, Diggs, Hopkins, top four in full PBR. Well, um, one thing I will say is this, like kudos to Devontae Adams. I know, um, you know, this year he was just purely dominant. I mean, we're talking about across the board, points per game, points. You know, his ADP was the second overall wide receiver, but across the board, even on consistency, he just played at a different level. His, his, uh, he was actually one of the top players. So uh, pro football reference is a really cool thing where they, they weigh out how many points you have above an average player. And, and, you know, Devontae Adams was like the only wide receiver that was like clearly in the top 10, he was so dominant. But the one thing I will say, again, I talked a lot about this during the quarterbacks preview was system continuity. Like it was the second year in the scheme for green Bay, Kansas city, Buffalo, um, in those cases, for those court, uh, uh, offensive schemes, even the Arizona Cardinals, multiple years. Now, granted, DeAndre Hopkins and Stephon Diggs were new to their situation, but they went to established coaches, established quarterbacks. That is a common theme uh, throughout this whole process. When I was looking at this, uh, you know, pretty much almost 80% of the top 24 guys we're going to talk about today essentially were in either established coaching staffs or established players um, in current systems. So that's what I noticed rough about these top four guys, but also, you know, there wasn't a lot of players who really were truly elite outside of uh, Adams and Hill. What I mean by that is elite performances. So I use a half point PPR consistency rankings 
That's kind of what I use for all my stuff. What we I categorize as elite is 19 points per game. Devontae Adams had 57%. The next person was Tyree Kill at 40%. After that, it goes down to 31%. That's how dominant the, uh, these two wide receivers were, especially Devontae Adams this season. And listen, they were also extremely consistent. These guys were pretty much top five across the board in consistency as well. So I think when you're looking at that from a, from the uh, fantasy standpoint this year, I think Hopkins and Stephon Diggs are, are truly going to make us evaluate these wide receivers and where they're going. Are they going to establish situations next year? Because I know there's a lot of guys like Allen Robinson. So it's really opened my eyes to looking at that in the future. But overall, a lot of continuity on offense. And I think that's what we're going to have to look at year over year when it comes to passing games in 2021, especially. So we obviously have a lot to move in free agency. Allen Robinson, as you mentioned, Juju Smith-Schuster, Will Fuller, a number of names. We mentioned T.Y. Hilton earlier. Um, I was, and I'll, you know, I'll be honest, I made a lot of good calls this summer. Uh, I made a couple of, um, <laughs> a couple of uh, costly misjudgments, and two of them are in this conversation. It was Stephon Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins. Now, I know both those guys are elite individuals. Um, love them in Minnesota and Houston. Nothing against them as players at all. But especially Stephon Diggs heading to Buffalo and being with uh, Josh Allen, who until this year when he becomes the number one fantasy quarterback on the slate, he was literally the least accurate option in the NFL last year. And Stephon Diggs was coming over, no continuity, yada, yada, as you always mention. And I was concerned about that. DeAndre Hopkins, same thing. Can we trust Kyler Murray, yada, yada? Well, obviously we can. I was a little scarred, though, from two years ago when it seemed like an a like athlete when healthy, Odell Beckham Jr., who is every bit of DeAndre Hopkins and uh, Stephon Diggs, or used to be when he was healthy, goes and sees Baker Mayfield coming off of an incredible rookie uh you know, rookie season at the time, one of the best we've ever seen, and they could not catch a break. I was scarred from that. And we had heard multiple times over the offseason, is that an issue with continuity? And you mention it all the time that it's important. Are there situations in which you're more um, comfortable with or stay away from with a free agent moving? Like, again, I'm not going to say, you know, we could say hypotheticals all day long, right? But Allen Robinson, if he doesn't go back to Chicago, is going to go to 31 other teams he's unfamiliar with at some level. Is he just a player that is so good and you believe in him that it must be a dire situation to not believe in him and, or you're all in? Or is it just kind of like, eh, you see what happens and these guys happen to just luck out and fall into good positioning? You know, to be honest with you, it, like I just touched on, it's got to be, we have to evaluate the situ situation as a whole. So is the coaching staff established? Is the quarterback established? If Allen Robinson goes to a situation where the quarterback and the QB, I mean, the offensive coordinator and the QB are established, I might have to take a look at him more than I would if he goes to a new team with a new coach, with a new quarterback. Like, you know, if he goes to the Colts, for example, like with new Carson Wentz, is how much of an impact does a new quarter, uh, QB have and a new wide receiver? Because not only is Wentz, yes, he has familiarity with Frank Wright, but it's it's Frank Wright's system, not Doug Peterson. So Wentz is learning that system and learning a new wide receiver. It's too many variables. So I think that's a key when looking at where these guys go in the offseason. Fair enough. I agree with you. And, of course, we will be breaking down all free agency as it comes along. I'm going to throw a couple stats out here for each of the four players we went through. Devontae Adams, most impressively, 11 games out of the 14 that he played as a wide receiver, one finish. So that's top 12, but he had four different weeks where he finished as the number one wide receiver overall, 18 touchdowns, which is incredible. Obviously he failed to score in only three games. Um, he was hurt in one. It was the game after the bye in another. So I'm going to give him passes on those 30 PPR points ahead of Tyreek Hill, as I mentioned, and Hill played one more game than Adams scored at least two touchdowns in five of 13 full games. Quickly down the list here, Tyreek Hill, 10 of his 15 games as a wide receiver, won 15 touchdowns. That's going to help tremendously, although just three games of over 100 yards. So, again, not quite boom or bust. He's much more boom than bust, obviously. But uh, 
only three games with 100 yards, which I thought was quite surprising. Stephon Diggs, 11 of his 16 games as a uh, wide receiver one, led the NFL in targets at 166, receptions, 127, receiving yards at 1535, and he had seven games over 100 yards, but just eight touchdowns. That's the big difference with him and Hopkins not to be in that elite tier is they only got eight and six touchdowns new Hopkins, half of his games as a wide receiver one second in targets receptions receiving yards but just those six touchdowns and third highest yardage total of his career with 1400 plus with kyler murray so i expect them and look kyler was hurt half the season as well if they can duplicate that i think he's gonna be well over 1500 yards next season which could get him up into that number one or two tier there for new Hopkins. Okay, so your top four, again, from 2020 wide receivers, full PPR, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, and DeAndre Hopkins. No real surprises up there. Let's go with five through eight here. Calvin Ridley, number five, overall number four, though, in points per game, played one more game, or excuse me, one less game than uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Number six, probably this is a surprise on the board overall here. Justin Jefferson, number six overall, number eight in points per game. DK Metcalf, number seven overall, number nine in points per game. And his teammate, Tyler Lockett, number eight overall, but number 11 in points per game. Remember from the QB episode, we want those numbers. We want that second number to be lower than the first one. So if somebody finishes at eight overall, but 11th in points per game, that's the wrong ratio. We're looking at you know that to go the other way so let's talk about Ridley Jefferson Metcalf and Lockett oh man I you know the thing let's start with Ridley uh I think a lot of people were calling him this year's Chris Godwin and pretty much everybody was right uh he was in the second year in Dirk Coyter's scheme but I think the biggest thing with Calvin Ridley is what was what would his impact have had been if Julio played 16 games right I think Ridley took advantage of the games that Julio was out he was the primary focal point of that offense but he the good thing about Ridley is he showed that he can be the guy. And I think that's fantastic for his dynasty value. I think that's fantastic for him moving forward. But Julio is still a baller. I mean, let's not pretend for a minute that Julio, when he's on the field, isn't dominant. Now, is it going to be like the Roddy White-Julio thing from like six, seven years? Julio started, I mean, everybody started getting hurt. Julio had emerged and he took over permanently. Is that going to happen with Julio and Ridley next year? Now, not to touch on too much, but, you know, Ridley, they're going to be a new scheme with Arthur Smith and Julio coming back. I just don't know if Ridley's going to be able to return values of top five ADP wide receiver next year. So it's just something to monitor Julio's health. Do they keep him on the roster and what the idea is him moving forward? Justin Jefferson, I think, is one of the biggest misses in my mind. I know you just talked about, about Stefan Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins, and I'll admit I wasn't huge on them either because they were switching teams. But I think Justin Jefferson was, I typically stay away from rookies, but Justin Jefferson was the rookie this year. He was the guy. Um, I talk a lot in the offseason about system continuity. Gary Kubiak took over for Kevin Stefanski, but Kubiak was on staff, and that was the offense they were kind of running. Was Kubiak was a senior offensive advisor. He comes in, and he's able to keep that system going. And now his, his son, Clint Kubiak, is going to be taking over as well. So that's great news for Justin Jefferson. But from across the board, Justin Jefferson wasn't necessarily a top 10 when it comes to consistency. He wasn't, you know, he did have his streaky moments, but for the most part, he was pretty solid all year wide receiver one. Um, but there was a lot of opportunities in opportunities analysis. I write every uh, in the offseason. I talk about how many potential growth in pass volume and the Vikings were number one. And I thought that, you know, Bisbee Johnson or Smith might be the guy, but it was Justin Jefferson. So I think that's fantastic. Moving forward, and it's good to hear that Clint Kubiak is going to be on staff. Uh, the next guy, DK Metcalf, uh, he was awesome. I mean, DK was in the first half. Of, I think it's a kind of a tale of two halves. I will tell you this. I, I did write an article uh, for Razball about shadow coverage. DK Metcalf had 10 shadow coverage matchups this year. So he finished as a top 10 wide receiver, and he had 10 shadow coverage matchups. A lot of those came in the second half of this season, which is where we saw kind of his dip. He did struggle a little bit against Jalen Ramsey and Patrick Peterson somewhat. So he wasn't as strong when facing those elite corners, but at the same time, he still was about a borderline wide receiver one, even in those games. So he was a much more consistent guy versus his counterpart, Tyler Lockett. I mean, Lockett was not consistent. I mean, he, so in some of the metrics I used for my analysis, he was outside the top 25 in consistency. He was, he pretty much faded completely out 
once uh, the second half hit. He had a couple big games early on, but the overall, he did not get it done for you for fantasy purposes. I mean, when I'm looking at his stats, he was the only wide receiver in the top 20 that had over 50% subpar games. I mean, he was, it was bad. I mean, he was a very, it was about 62% of his games, according to my metrics, were under 11 points per game. So that's not going to get it done for a true number one wide receiver. Plus they're going to bring you bringing a new coaching staff, DK Metcalf, another year with Russell Wilson. So Tyler Lockett, even though he finished as a true, like a top 10 wide receiver on the season, I'm not sure if I'll be able to draft him next year at that position. I agree. Tyler Lockett, six of his 16 games was a wide receiver one finish. Again, that's not wide receiver one overall. That's just top 12. So just, uh, you know, basically one third of his games uh, was a wide receiver one performance. Only two games over 100 receiving yards, 100 exactly in week three. And of course that huge game versus the Cardinals in week seven with 200 yards and three touchdowns, 12 of his games under 70 receiving yards, seven games under 50 receiving yards. So again, concerned about Tyler Lockett moving forward. He and Russell Wilson have an incredible mind meld as far as difficulty and passing. And when Russ is, is, is scrambling, he's looking at Lockett. So that's good. But Unfortunately, I think with the emergence of DK, it's, you know, going to be, I'm, I'm also not confident that I can trust Tyler Lockett personally. DK Metcalf had the, the two seasons, as you mentioned, pretty much half of his games, wide receiver one, exactly 39 targets. This is interesting. So let's take the first five games for DK Metcalf and the, and the last five games exactly 39 targets in each of those games. So 39 targets over the first five games, 39 targets over the last five games, 460, uh, 496 receiving yards and five touchdowns over the first five games, but just 264 receiving yards and one touchdown in the final five games. So unfortunately that is not going to get it done clearly. Now, a lot of people come like compare DK Metcalf and will throughout his career, I think, in body metrics, ability, size, everything else, to Calvin Johnson. Obviously, those are big shoes to fill. If you take Calvin Johnson's second season in the NFL and you take DK Metcalf's second season in the NFL, they are eerily similar, which I thought was quite impressive. I'm going to bring up a tweet I put out earlier today and just read it off verbatim. Of course, you can follow on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. So let's listen to this really quick here. You have, uh, where's, there you go. Calvin Johnson in year two, 16 games played, 150 targets, 78 receptions, 1,331 receiving yards, and 12 touchdowns. DK Metcalf in year two, 16 games played, 129 targets, 83 receiving yards, 1,303 receiving yards, and 10 touchdowns on 21 less targets. So he basically had the same season as Calvin Johnson in his second year on 21 less targets. Very impressive there. Justin Jefferson, rookie record. 1,400 receiving yards, breaking Anquan Bolden's 1,377 in 2003. It'll be interesting to see Herbert in year two. Obviously, they do have a new coaching staff over there in Los Angeles, so it'll be interesting there. And then we have Calvin Ridley, career highs across the board, as you mentioned. And I think he and Julio can coexist. We saw that two years ago. The real decision is going to be, is Matt Ryan definitely the guy? I see some mock drafts from like pro football focus, some like legitimate resources here mocking like Justin Fields to the Falcons and stuff like that. Do they move up for a quarterback? We'll see if that's uh, an issue there as Matt Ryan was once again, tops in the NFL in passing yards. Okay. Number nine through 12 here, Allen Robinson, number nine, overall 12th in fantasy points per game. Adam Thielen, number 10, overall 10th in fantasy points per game. Mike Evans, 11th overall 13th in points per game and AJ Brown. This is what we're looking for. A.J. Brown finished 12th overall in fantasy points, but 6th in points per game. That's excellent. 12th overall, 6th in points per game. He missed two games. Bobby, breakdown, Allen Robinson, Adam Thielen, Mike Evans, and A.J. Brown. Yeah, so when I'm looking at this, I was actually kind of disappointed when I was looking into, I know you use PPR, I use kind of half PPR, so it gives everyone kind of a different perspective, but I was genuinely surprised of uh, Allen Robinson's lack of consistency so in his my metrics I was using he only finished 20th in consistency overall and I thought that was very surprising I always think of Al Robinson as a very 
you know, PPR catches a lot of passes, you know, not necessarily you know, a big touchdown threat because of Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles, but I thought it was very interesting that Al Robinson fell much lower in consistency than his points per game and, and his overall points overall. Now, when I look at Al Robinson, his landing spot's exciting, but this is the thing, like we touched on, Al Robinson being a free agent, it's um, we. I think one of the things that we should do here at TCK is maybe do a little bit more of a deeper dive and understanding of is Odell Beckham and the Brown situation more likely, or is it maybe COVID and how everybody kind of had a lack of an offseason helped guys who changed teams because no one was able to practice. So I'm not hundred percent sure. I think maybe that could have been a part of it because everyone's kind of starting on equal footing. Um, that's just one way to look at it. As for Adam Thielen, Listen, I, I talked a lot about this in the offseason. One of my guys, I loved Adam Thielen because of the influx of pass volume. Two years ago, the Vikings barely threw. They had the lowest dropbacks in the NFL. There was natural regression back to the mean coming. And sure enough, that happened. And Adam Thielen, you know, relatively across the board, borderline one, whether it's consistency or, you know, and he actually finished as a wide receiver one more often than not based on the metrics I use. So that's Good. I mean, um, you, you want your guys that are going to be top 12 to finish in the top 12 more often than not. Um, so that's, I'm sorry. What, what I meant to say is finishes a top 24 wide receiver, but he almost finishes a top 12, 50% of his games. So that's, that's a great consistency for Adam Thielen overall based on the things I was seeing. So, and the thing is Clint Kubiak coming back, Kirk Cousins most likely coming back. I think that you could probably see, you know, Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson have a very similar season than they had this year. Uh, Mike Evans. So listen, I think it was Mike Evans was weird. I mean, he had games where he had like one catch for zero yards and a touchdown, like some weird one catch, one yard, one touchdown. It was like really strange against Marshawn Lattimore. Um, Evans is another guy I write about. I'm going to be writing about very soon about his shadow coverage. He had five games. He's very greatly impacted by true corners. But I think with Tom Brady coming back, coming off the Super Bowl, you know, you got to like Mike Evans in another year with Tom Brady. You know, that's that's what I like to find with guys. And listen, Mike Evans was in the second year with Bruce Arians. But I like to find guys who are going in. There's some more. There's always more chemistry to build. And I think Mike Evans can definitely be a top 12 wide receiver next year because him and Tom Brady are only going to get better. They're not going to get worse. Plus, Chris Godwin could leave in free agency, which just means more of a reliance on Mike Evans this season. As for uh, A.J. Brown, like you just touched on, I thought it was – in my consistency ranking, he was five. Like, it was – that was one of my biggest things that blew me away. Like, I was not expecting him to be that consistent all year long. You know, he had plenty of elite games uh, on the year. He finished as a wide receiver one more often than he finished outside the top 24 that based is- on the metrics. That's like – that's what I'm talking about. Like, that's what we want to see. Um, and the thing is, listen, yes, Arthur Smith is gone, but they promoted their QB coach, Todd Downing, who, if you're a Raiders fan, might know him as someone that didn't work out. Um, but at the same time, at least there's the same coaching staff staying in place and they can continue to build on what they built this year with Ryan Tannehill. So I think A.J. Brown, to me, next year should be able to continue. Plus, Corey Davis is a free agent. He could be leaving, which means that more dependency on A.J. Brown. But overall, for the lack of targets that offense produces, him to be that consistent is a fantastic sign for his fantasy value moving forward. It, man, A.J. Brown is so fun to watch, man. He and he and D.K. get a lot of comparisons. Of course, uh, you know, they were teammates at Ole Miss, yeah. which is insane. Um, but very impressive. He just got to stay healthy. Uh, a tough rookie year and then missed two games again this year. Um, and you don't think of the Titans' offense as – high-powered, big fantasy points, a lot of scoring in, in NFL purposes. But when you break down the numbers, Derrick Henry's Derrick Henry. A.J. Brown is a top-five wide receiver in all aspects when he plays. And Ryan Tannehill even is top eight at the quarterback position. So they are getting it done there. Uh, A.J. Brown, 11 touchdowns in 13 games after the bye week. You mentioned Corey Davis. John o. Smith could leave in free agency. They're going to have a new uh, OC there and coaching staff uh, as well with Archer Smith going to Atlanta, as you mentioned earlier. That'll be interesting. Mike Evans, seventh consecutive season with 1,000 yards, only receiver in NFL history to do so, and 13 touchdowns most of his career, which is obviously very impressive, which buoyed a lot of those bigger games, as you would mention. And Adam Thielen, look, Seven of his 15 games, he was a wide receiver one, but six of 15 other games, he was single-digit PPR fantasy points. 
can't mm-hmm. have that. 14 touchdowns, which is five more than his previous career high, buoyed his season right now. So the last four seasons before this year, Adam Thielen had five, four, nine, and six touchdowns. He had 14 this season. Obviously, that's going to exponentially give him that boost there. And a guy that doesn't score, Allen Robinson, absolutely crushed the best he can with bad quarterback play um, and opportunity. But again, just uh, six touchdowns for him there. Okay, let's roll into 13 through uh, 16 here and get into some of these like back end wide receiver ones who are trustworthy, but maybe not weak and league winning guys, but certainly in that, you know, kind of second, third tier um, as far as wide receiver twos go uh, up here at the top. So Keenan Allen, number 13 overall, seventh in points per game. Again, A.J. Brown, 12th overall, sixth in points per game. Keenan Allen, 13th overall, seventh in points per game. That's the differentiation we like to see. Missed two games there. Robert Woods, 14th overall, 15th in points per game. Amari Cooper, 15th overall, 17th in points per game. And Juju Smith-Schuster, 16th overall, 19th in points per game. Let's break down Keenan Allen, Robert Woods, Amari Cooper, and Juju Smith-Schuster. Keenan Allen. I mean, listen, Justin Herbert, your boy from from Oregon, I mean, he changed everything. I mean, Tyrod Taylor, we're all expecting this, you know, much lower pass volume offense from the days in Buffalo with Anthony Lynn, Tyrod Taylor. That's why a lot of us, especially me, was not high on Keenan Allen. I was expecting, expecting a guy who's more dependent on targets to get less targets well that did not happen i mean him justin herbert came out balling at rookie of the year we know all that but keenan allen was the focal point of that offense once again and he was just fantastic he was a great value uh based on where you could have gotten him in fifth fifth round sometimes he fell into sixth round and 10 uh 10 team leagues um but the thing is this year so the one thing i will say there is going to be a new offensive coordinator joe lombardi the saints qb coach is now the oc for the Chargers, that's something. The one thing you could say is, hey, he could just use Keenan Allen like they used Michael Thomas. That's a great point. Um, Joe Lombardi failed as an OC in, in, in Detroit a couple of years ago, but maybe this is the second time around. Maybe he could really improve. Um, maybe they will use Keenan Allen like they used Michael Thomas. So it, the talent's there. I think, you know, with Justin Herbert going to his second season, we'll see. But Keenan Allen was just fantastic across the board. Um, Robert Woods, I mean, can this guy, what does this guy got to do to earn respect? I think every year he always outkicks his ADP. Um, people like Robert Woods, but they draft him like, ah, you know, in the fourth, fifth round, they're just like, you know what, I guess I'll take Robert Woods, but then he's just going to finish exactly where you draft him and give you value. So the great news with Robert Woods, Matthew Stafford's coming. I mean, listen, I know we're not supposed to get excited. I know I'm the big uh, you know, stability guy and, you know, continuity. But Matthew Stafford for in the Rams offense with Sean McVay and Robert Woods, why wouldn't you get more excited? I think this is this this is going to maintain Robert Woods' value again with Stafford coming in. I think it's fantastic news for him. Amari Cooper, we, we, we truly don't know what Amari Cooper is going to be like, right? Because two years ago, he gets traded midseason. Last, this year, he loses Dak Prescott. So, Amari Cooper, surprisingly, based on the metric, was very solid. I mean, he was very consistent. He wasn't like a big outlier in any of the metrics that I saw in the sense of he was pretty solid in the top 24s, consistently there, even with Andy Dalton and the backup quarterbacks. I think with the second year, this is the one I'm talking about. I'm excited for Amari Cooper because it's the second year of the scheme, going with Mike McCarthy. They're bringing back Kellen Moore. Dak Prescott, let's see what happens, but I'm assuming Dak's coming back. Amari Cooper, to me, is someone you've got to be targeting in drafts next year. I think he's going to grow. There's a big opportunity for that offense to grow in the second season with Mike McCarthy. And for him to finish as a top 20 wide receiver with all the things that happened with Dak, I think it's a fantastic sign for his fantasy value moving forward. And then Juju was kind of surprising. I was, not, I mean, Juju, really from a metric standpoint, he did finish as a top 24 wide receiver in my metrics more than not, which is good. Which is very surprising. You were, I mean, Juju Smith uh, Schuster's season wasn't huge because Deontay Johnson emerged, Chase Claypool had his moments, and Big Ben wasn't spectacular in his own right. So I think people, a lot of people forget how good Juju really was. I mean, granted, he was drafted probably in this range as an ADP spot too. So Juju, to me, like his his free agent destination, I I don't know where he's where he's going to go to be honest with you, but he showed this year that he can perform. 
uh, you know, when he has competent quarterback play. So I think if he goes somewhere with a competent quarterback, I don't know if Juju's the guy I'll be targeting based on where his ADP is, but I think it was very surprising that he finished this high uh, because of the fact that, you know, those other younger players emerged this season. Would you like to see Juju go somewhere where he becomes the number one, let's say hypothetically, that, I mean, this is a bad example because it's bad quarterback play, but let's say they get a good quarterback in Chicago and Allen Robinson leaves, Juju goes to Chicago. He is the number one at that point. You think he's better there or is he better in an offense, pick a team uh, where he's a a high-end complimentary piece? I think he's better as a high-end complimentary piece. I mean, he's, he's an interior slot receiver. You know, Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool, those guys were ballers. I mean, they were both very good receivers. We're going to talk about them later. Um, I think that Juju, I mean, the problem is we didn't get to see it, right? Last year, you know, Big Ben goes down. We're not going to fault anybody for how bad the Steelers offense was last year with Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges. But I think this year to me, I think Juju, I would like to see him go somewhere as a complimentary interior wide receiver. Like, for example, Green Bay. Like, imagine him on the inside with Devontae Adams on the outside. That's what I'm talking about. Absolutely. Totally agree. And of course, that would be a quarterback situation that you would uh, be just Ooh. fine with, obviously. Right. Yeah, Juju on the on the move, though. Um, looks like he's on his way out of uh, Pittsburgh into free agency. Amari Cooper, the only concern or question mark is going to be how does Dak come back and does Michael Gallup leave? CeeDee Lamb, of course, um, was out of the gates absolutely on fire. Uh, but is he – are they going to kind of be a 1A, 1B, or is one going to jump the other there? Um, Robert Woods, you're right, kind of a unsexy pick, uh, but always someone you can rely on. He just doesn't score. It's the same thing with Jarvis Landry. Look, if if Landry and and uh, and Robert Woods scored eight to ten touchdowns every single season, they would be up there in that back end wide receiver one every single year. Uh, they have the PPR catches, they have the yardage, they do score. Robert Woods also added two scores on the ground as well in that Rams offense. So with Stafford coming in, love that, of course. And Cooper Cup could potentially be on his way out. Um, we'll see what happens there. But nonetheless, I like Robert Woods. And Keenan Allen was absolutely on fire uh, in the first half. Now, how much of that, Bobby, do you think had to do with Austin Eckler being out for a number of weeks, though? Because when he came back, Keenan Allen was fine, but he was not he was not grabbing 10 balls for 100 yards and, and a touchdown every week when Austin Eckler came back. Listen, I know I know we should definitely take a look at 2020, but like with the new coaching staff coming in, I, I don't like to I don't mean to be discouraged what happened last year, but this is going to be a completely different offense. Like Keenan Allen, Joe Lombardi is going to try to make Keenan Allen his Michael uh, Michael Thomas, and then Austin Eckler is going to try to be the Alvin Kamara, and both of those guys flourished, right? So I listen. I get it. Austin Eckler demanded more targets than guys like Justin Jefferson, Joshua Kelly. You know, Kalen Balaj. So, yes, it did knock him down. But I think overall he was still extremely consistent. Um, I just think that the new coaching staff comes comes in. I think, you know, he's going to be peppered with targets in that in that Michael Thomas role. Best thing about the comparison, both players, of course, wear the number 13. There you go. Done. Deep stats here on the TCK pod. <laughs> Only ones we do. <laughs> All right. Number 17 here. Brandon Cooks with Houston, 17th overall, 14th in points per game. Marvin Jones, my boy, makes the list here. 18th overall, 20th in points per game. Robbie Anderson, not DJ Moore. Robbie Anderson makes it here on the list here. Number 19, 22nd overall. And Terry McLaurin with a number of quarterbacks in Washington, 20th overall, but 16th in points per game. Did miss a game here. Let's go with Brandon Cooks, Marvin Jones Jr., Robbie Anderson, and Terry McLaurin. So when I was looking at this tier of guys, outside of Justin Jefferson, this is where you found the crazy value on the season, right? So ADP, Brandon Cooks, wide receiver 38, Marvin Jones 36, Robbie Anderson 58. Those guys were huge values this season, but there was big reasons why. Brandon Cooks was Will Fuller, right? I mean, we have to talk about Will Fuller. He, was, he would be on this list right now. We probably over already talked about Will Fuller if it wasn't for his suspension. Will Fuller through 10 weeks was dominant. Like, he was a top 12 wide receiver. And Brandon Cooks kind of took over that role in the second half. Now, you can't fault Brandon Cooks. He only had to capitalize on the situation. With Deshaun Watson playing at an extremely high level, you know, it, it's really going to ride on whether Deshaun Watson comes back and if they retain Will Fuller if you can look at Brandon Cooks as a top 24 wide receiver next year. So he has a lot of moving parts, but 
down the stretch, he really showed that he could still be a very competent wide receiver and be a borderline wide receiver one down the stretch of the fantasy season. Now for Marvin Jones, listen, there was no Kenny Galladay. So I guess anybody like, listen, I liked Marvin Jones in the off season. Uh, I like the fact that Daryl Bevel scheme, heavy play action, a lot of shots downfield. You know, I like the fact that him and Kenny Galladay could really emerge on the outside for that offense. But once Kenny Galladay barely played this season, I think Kenny Galladay played like five games, you know, Marvin Jones for him to finish here makes sense. I mean, listen, for him to take over the number one role for an offense led by Matthew Stafford, you expect him to be right in this area. I think him finishing as a top 20 wide receiver shouldn't come as a shock, especially because there was no Kenny Galladay. But the problem was Marvin Jones wasn't that consistent. He did have a decent amount of elite games, but according to my metrics, he fell outside the top 24 way, way more than he finished inside the top 24. So I think that's kind of a problem uh, from that standpoint. So he had a little more, a little more boomer bust for this list. Robbie Anderson, I think, is the big, a big surprise in the sense that he took DJ Moore for the number one receiver role. I think this offseason I wrote an article about DJ Moore and how I was a little concerned. The pass volume was going to come down. I mean, the two years ago, the Panthers threw the ball an insane amount under Scott Turner. Then comes in the new coaching staff, and sure enough, the volume comes down with Teddy Bridgewater. And I saw that really impact the team across the board. But all three of those guys were right in this range. I mean, Robbie Anderson emerging as the true number one. He did have the history with Matt Rule from their time back in college. So I think that was very interesting as well. Plus, they're going to hopefully we'll see in the second year of the scheme. Joe Brady did not become a head coach. So you got to be excited for that continuity on offense. We'll see what they do at quarterback. But even if Teddy Bridgewater is retained, I think there's room for optimism for these guys to kind of repeat their performances because there is zero um, tight end position at that offense. But of course, CMC returning this year could be an impact, maybe more on a guy like Curtis Samuel if he comes back in free agency. And then finally, Terry McLaurin. I mean, talk about just like Dwayne Haskins, Alex Smith. I mean, like this guy finished as a top 20 wide receiver with just a bag of nuts throwing him footballs. Like it made no sense. Those guys were not, they, there was zero competent quarterback play. Pretty much all year. I mean, Alex Smith, yes, he, he did kind of move the football a little bit better, but he was a chuck down machine. He was throwing the ball to guys like the back of J.D. McKissick, an uh, insane amount. So for Terry McLaurin, I think this is fantastic news for him. I think he could, he's a definitely a guy you want to target next year. Second year in Scott Turner's scheme with Ron Rivera running the show. I think that him, hopefully they go out and get some, but there's a lot of chatter about him, Sam Darnold, potentially going to the Washington football team. So I love Terry McLaurin. I think he's a fantastic player. And I think based on his production, he was extremely consistent, but he did fall outside the top uh, 24 a little more than you would like, but I think it's more to do with the inconsistent QB play this season for the Washington Redskins. As of right now, Taylor Heineke is going to be their guy. He finished the season straight up, like had a chance to beat the Buccaneers. We all know what happened. The Bucs go on to win the Super Bowl, but the Washington football team had him on the ropes for a minute, a quick comeback, yeah. a, a very valiant effort from Taylor Heineke, a diving for the touchdown and everything. We've seen the highlights. Um, they re-signed him, though, to a two-year deal. I don't necessarily think he's the answer in Washington long-term, but he's the guy for now. There are a number of quarterbacks, Mariota, Derek Carr, if he leaves, Deshaun Watson, clearly, Cam Newton, um, Sam Darnold, obviously, as well. Jimmy Garoppolo could leave San Francisco. There's a lot of options at quarterback. I do expect somebody to fill in in Washington. I also expect somebody either to back up Teddy or replace Teddy in Carolina as well. Denver could be a landing spot. Chicago, there's so many options, clearly. But I think Washington football team is going to have to bring in somebody there to uh to mix it up uh terry mclaurin's another one of these guys man we're like i've and actually it's funny two years he's been in the league i've i've managed what about seven to eight teams per season so let's call it 12 15 teams in two years i do not have any terry mclaurin shares in any league any format i've not had him on one of my teams because i don't trust washington i see his talent i don't trust washington unfortunately but i would love to capitalize now on maybe some lowered value because of the stigma of Washington and see what they can actually come away with there. So I would love to see Terry get a legitimate quarterback and stability. I believe in Ron Rivera. The defense is great. They do have weapons on offense, Gibson, McKissick, yada, yada. We'll see what happens in 2021. Robbie Anderson was one of the biggest surprise. Obviously Justin Jefferson is the biggest surprise because he's a rookie and everything else. CD lamb as well. T Higgins was going to be on this list. If uh, Joe Burrow stayed healthy as well, but 
of guys that we already knew, Robbie Anderson is easily the most surprising to me because he was boomer bust minimum in, in, or I would say boomer bust max with the jets uh, comes over to Carolina and DJ Moore was going to be the guy. Curtis Samuels, the guy CMC was the guy before he goes down and Teddy Bridgewater's the check down guy. And all of a sudden he's just throwing 70 yard bombs the first couple of years to uh, Robbie Anderson. Quite surprising there. <clears throat> Marvin Jones, love to see him up here. He always steps up when he needs to hell of a player. And I hope uh, he can get it done with golf, but he wants to leave too. So maybe, uh, maybe he finds himself somewhere else as well. And then Brandon cooks is just another guy, man. Look, he's played with multiple hall of fame quarterbacks. We know that Deshaun Watson, we'll see what happens in the rest of his career, but he just goes there, makes the quarterback and the team better around him. Thousand yard wide receiver. Very impressive for Brandon cooks. Okay. Last four names we're going to cover here today. Deontay Johnson, Pittsburgh Steelers here, three Steelers in the top 24. Pretty impressive for big Ben number 21 overall, number 18, in points per game. CeeDee Lamb, 22 overall, 23 uh, in points per game. Chase Claypool, 23 overall, 24th in points per game. And Curtis Samuel, 24th overall, 21st in points per game. Let's finish it out here with Deontay Johnson, CeeDee Lamb, Chase Claypool, and Curtis Samuel. Yeah, all the thing these guys have in common is that they have other receivers in the top 24, right? So Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool, are married with Juju and then CeeDee Lamb with Amari Cooper and Curtis Samuel with Robbie Anderson. And I think, I think the biggest thing when I look at these guys is all of them besides well, Curtis Samuel, of course, is going to be a free agent. We'll see what happens with him this year. He's a very intriguing name to be, uh, to look at and where he goes, but Deontay Johnson, listen, big Ben is probably coming back. It sounds like he's coming back. Matt Canada, the offensive is going to be the new OC former QBs coach, uh, Canadian football league guys. So we'll see how that goes, but Deontay Johnson, right? Yeah. All they do so, is throw the ball. So yeah, well, that's the thing though. There was no ground game and there's going to have to be some regression back to the mean a little bit. The Steelers are not that pass heavy of a team at big Ben. I think when I'm looking at the situation, there's multiple ways to look at it. And I kind of reflecting on our QB conversation is that big Ben really, he, he was in a sling in the off season, right? So Coming off his arm surgery, he did not get a lot of chance to work out with these guys. For Big Ben to come out and play the way he did, it's actually kind of – it was actually impressive because it was, he was he looked like a grizzly bear in April of last year, and then he comes out and he plays. And I think this year he'll actually be able to throw early and he'll be able to connect with these guys, and maybe that can keep this value up. But Deontay Johnson, to me, is another guy who's just going to be maturing, going into his – third year of the third year in the NFL. And with him, I just think that, you know, that Antonio Brown role in that offense intrigues me. And I think that's the role he plays. So I think he's someone that next year can really, he can definitely with Juju leaving, of course, but you know, James Washington comes in, who takes over in the slot. And that's a good question for you, Sky, if you want to just jump in for a second, because you have Deontay Johnson, James Washington and Chase Claypool, technically, you know, who's going to take that main slot role? One of those guys going to kick inside. Is it like a Ryan Switzer going to be over the slot? What are your thoughts on the slot situation for the Steelers? Man, honestly, uh, it sounds crazy, but I do think that, I mean, look, if Big Ben's there, as long as Big Ben plays, they're going to be throwing as close to 500 plus times. That's just what they do. James Connors toast. Unfortunately, love the guy, root for the guy as a person. He's just not bell cow material. They could bring in a Chris Carson type guy to just, you know, pl- you know, David Johnson, I don't know, plug and plug and plug and just give these guys reps. But look, in my opinion, it's let's go down the list. Chase Claypool to me is a burner. He's what we wanted Martavis Bryant to be, right? Mm. Same guy. Beast, beast. You throw it up. You can make the matchups faster than people, stronger than people, blah, blah, blah. I like Chase Claypool on the o- outside. Then it comes down to Washington or Deontay Johnson. If it's between those two, I think it's got to be Washington in the slot. Um, Washington is another great sideline burner, but Deontay Johnson proved his salt down the stretch. Uh, Bobby, I know you have you have a lot of these on your side. Do you have a spreadsheet you can get into? And I'm putting you on the spot here if you can get to it. Do you have splits maybe with any of these guys in and out of the slot? That might help a little bit just to see if you have any idea of like routes run, if you don't have it in front of you, it's no big deal. Oh, Sky. It up because... Sky, how dare you? <laughs> I mean, of course I got it up. I was, we are, I think me and Sky, we're becoming best friends. I literally just started pulling up my stats, and that's crazy you just asked me this. So, to, so Chase Claypool actually led those three guys okay. in slot routes. Um, 
Now is that 20... a rookie? Is that a rookie thing, or because the other two are better on the outside? Well, Juju's here. That's that's interesting. Well, it Juju. Well, no, no, no. So of the three, so Juju was at eighty-five percent. Okay, Chase Claypool was the next guy down of the main guys at twenty-three percent. So Chase Claypool twenty-three, James Washington nineteen, and then Deontay Johnson was only fourteen percent slot. Okay. So interestingly enough, it would be technically Chase Claypool uh, would <laughs> be the imagine, next guy. I can mean, you imagine big... Chase Claypool is just like the weekly third option in the slot. The dude's like a foot and a half taller than the linebacker. I know. Well, that's what I'm talking about. You, the big slot role has become popular. I mean, Michael Thomas is not a small receiver. He's physical in Devontae the middle. Adams. Exactly. Well, Adams just forget about his slot stats are just insane. Yeah, but, but that's it. what it's I just, mean is like, yeah, there's, there's that when you have a player like that. Um, it, the different, I mean, uh, Chris Godwin, you know, these players that play in the slot who are not slot receivers, yeah, the mismatches are insane. And the yeah, Steelers, frankly, yeah. have three of them, right? So, I think, I think, listen, I think personally, Deontay Johnson's married to that Antonio Brown role. I think he's going to continue to play that role. I think that's where he's, he's functioning. I think Chase Claypool and James Washington is where it's going to be interesting. Um, but the one thing that I do worry about is because, like, Coaches love players like Ryan Switzer, right? Mm-hmm. Or in those little slot Easily, guys. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I could see one of those guys taking over as the primary slot, and then they continue to rotate Washington and Claypool on the outside. Let's hope not. But that's just something to monitor this offseason, because if you get those three guys on the field, you know, we could definitely see Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson return value again next year with Big Ben and a lot of continuity on that offense. That offensive line is a problem, though. I mean, that's something we'll have to talk about at a later time, but they just lost their center, uh, Pouncey, for retirement, and then they had a lot of issues up front with injuries this year. So that stalwart offensive line over the past decade is starting to go downhill as well. Um, yeah, let's talk about C.D. Lamb. I think C.D. Lamb, to me, I, I love the fact that he became a very he, – he took over Michael Gallup. I think Michael Gallup, to me, was one of my guys this offseason – I was interested in Michael Gallup. I like to favor veterans over um, rookies, but at the same time, it was very evident that CD Lamb is the real deal. But CD Lamb was the primary slot receiver. He kind of took over that Randall Cobb role uh, in that offense with uh, Mike McCarthy, and that's a very lucrative role. We've seen that, and I think with Dak Prescott potentially coming back, second year in Mike McCarthy's scheme, I think him and Amari Cooper can improve on their numbers from this year. So I'm definitely buying CD Lamb. Uh, especially because I love the fact that it's such a talented receiver gets to play in the slot and get those mismatches. We just talked about Chase Claypool, but CD Lamb is like a legit first round pedigree wide receiver who can now take advantage of nickel corners. Please give me that all day. I'm in on that. And then Chase uh, Curtis Samuel is the last guy in the top 24. The fact that him and Robbie Anderson finished ahead of DJ Moore is just crazy to me, but it's Curtis Samuel, I think, Listen, that offense, the way they all operated, they they were actually a little surprising. Joe Brady, I thought it was going to bring more of a style like you saw with Sean Payton. But the thing was, they used all three of their wide receivers. They did not use the tight end at all. So Ian Thomas was a non-factor. They used Jake, uh, Curtis Samuel very creatively in the run game as well. So I think Curtis Samuel, his landing spot will be – I think he needs to go to a solid – like any wide receiver, of course. I would like to see him go to an established situation. But um, him leaving in free agency, what does that do for guys like Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore? I think that's something to monitor, especially if Bridgewater comes back, if the, the Panthers run it back. I think DJ Moore and Robbie, uh, Robbie Anderson can improve on their numbers the second year in a scheme with no Curtis Samuel in the fold. I like that a lot. What would you think about just a hypothetical situation, Curtis Samuel and Chris Godwin just switching places? Oh, Tommy B. Yeah, I think I, I think it's switching places. I, I wouldn't want to see Godwin go to the Carolina Panthers. So in your hypothetical, I, I'm denouncing that. I want to say Curtis Samuel going to Tom Brady. I think that's awesome. I think well, we see James Tom White with with as a receiver, but he's also a he was a running back at Ohio State. Yeah, yeah, I think that be a great fit uh, for that. But I don't see that happening necessarily. I think the the Buccaneers have a lot of free agents that they're going to have to prioritize over going out to get a wide receiver. But in that situation, listen, Tommy, you play with Tom Brady, you're going to get better. So I think that, you know, granted Chris Godwin dealt with injuries, but you know, that's something we'll talk about a little bit later, I guess, but there's Curtis Samuel, give me a good quarterback, established coaching staff. I'll, I'll be interested in buying. Cool. I like that as well. We've talked about the Pittsburgh Steelers quite a bit here with Deontay Johnson and Trace Claypool. 
CD Lamb, man, again, uh, burst onto the scene as a rookie. We don't know what would have happened with Dak in, in year two. Hopefully, we'll see that happen. Do you think there's a chance that CD Lamb could kind of pull a uh, Calvin Ridley over Julio this year at all if Dak is healthy? So, CD Lamb over Amari Cooper as Ridley did over Julio? No. No. I Dang. think Cooper's still in his prime, man. Got it. And Curtis Samuel, of course, we just mentioned looking at free agency as well. All right, so let me blast out really quickly here the top 24 fantasy wide receivers. This is full PPR finishes. Number one, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins in the top four. Calvin Ridley, Justin Jefferson, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, top eight. Allen Robinson, Adam Thielen, Mike Evans, and A.J. Brown round out the wide receiver ones in the top 12. Keenan Allen, Robert Woods, Amari Cooper, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Brandon Cooks, Marvin Jones Jr., Robbie Anderson, Terry McLaurin, and the last of the uh, wide receiver twos, Deontay Johnson, CeeDee Lamb, Chase Claypool, and Curtis Samuel. Uh, Dweez and Lucas will be breaking down the 24 tight ends as well uh, coming up on Thursday. Make sure you hit that. Bobby, is there anybody else? We did this with the quarterback position. We brought up guys like Dak Prescott. We brought up uh, Joe Burrow, of course. Um, Marcus Mariota played one game, but kind of gave us that flavor of what we could do. Jalen Hurts wasn't on the list, but we'll see what happens. We mentioned Will Fuller earlier. There's a couple other guys here. T. Higgins, potentially. Brandon Ayuk had a late surge with the guys come down. Any wide receivers not on the list here uh, that could have, would have, should have been and to really like highlight while we're talking about the top 24. So, yeah, I think it's obvious the guys like Michael Thomas, for example, who are not on this list that were studs two years ago. I think Michael Thomas situation with Drew Brees potentially retiring, like don't forget about Michael Thomas. I think, you know, Michael Thomas next year, you know, same offense, same situation, maybe Jameis Winston or Tyson Taysom Hill. But I think that personally, Michael Thomas needs to continue to be viewed as a top five wide receiver, uh, we'll see how the offense unfolds. One of my personal favorites, one of the guys that I, when I, I did a lot of work this offseason on, on shadow coverage, and Kenny Galladay was one of my man crushes. Like, he was so dominant against shadow coverage two years ago, and he is a legit wide receiver one. I mean, this guy is a real talent. He's a free agent. He can go anywhere, essentially, unless they franchise tag him, but I, I hope he leaves Detroit. Uh, especially with golf and everything. But Kenny Galladay is another guy that I think is extremely valuable. Will Fuller, if he returns to Houston and Deshaun Watson comes back, he needs to be viewed as a top 24 wide receiver in drafts next year. Julio Jones, another stud. Is he done? I don't believe so. If you look at his numbers, he was seventh in consistency on my rankings based on the games he played this year, but he also missed. He also played some games and got hurt. So monitor Julio in the offseason, make sure he's healthy. And then the San Francisco wide receivers. I think Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. I mean, Ayuk was actually surprisingly, he was actually a top 12 consistency wide receiver on the metrics I was using. He was awesome. I mean, the guy was almost two to one when it came to wide top 24 receiver, uh, receiver versus non in the games he played. Um, Debo Samuel is a freak. I mean, Sky, you're the local, our, you're our San Francisco 49ers expert. I think that, yes, the QB situation needs to be figured out. But, like, what are your thoughts on those guys next year? Could Brandon Ayuk, Kittle, and Debo all succeed in the Shanahan offense? Yes. The problem is I don't know if they're – I mean, Kittle's Kittle, okay? And I know you have to say Kittle, Debo, and, and Ayuk for this for this conversation, but Kittle's Kittle. He's always going to have more work, beast out. He's the number one and two target in the Shanahan offense, period, especially if Jimmy's sixth round, which I hope he doesn't. We've been over that. Let's mm -hmm. go into Debo, who is a beast – but unfortunately, he's 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 become injury plagued. He's been in the year the league two years. I'm not going to mm -hmm. give him the old injury prone yet. He's injury plagued, which is one step below, but it's not looking good. Brandon Ayuk, look, no joke, right? We got him from Arizona State, and I was talking to kind of my 49er buddies, and we were just like, "Yo, this kid is the truth," and he was right when he got his when he got his uh, ability second half of the season. So, can the two receivers coexist? Yes, Shanahan works to get them open. They're both kind of that running back, like LaVisca Chenault guy, right, where they take handoffs, yeah. bubble screens. Debo Samuel, I don't have it pulled up in front of me. I apologize. But Debo Samuel, I think his A, his a dot, average depth of target, was like negative 0.4 yards or something like that. Like insane, right? Because most of it was like bubble screens behind the line of scrimmage. 
I think they both coexist, but with George Kittle there, all three of them, I think it's going to be tough for both those wide receivers to rise to the top unless, and I don't want to jinx it, so I haven't been talking about this, if somebody like a Deshaun Watson comes in or Sam Darnold and goes nuts, I think that they can all coexist. But with Jimmy and limitations there and the offense that Shanahan's going to run with a quarterback like Jimmy Garoppolo, run-centric, I do not see all of them being great. Now, can... Debo and Brandon Ayuk be weekly wide receiver twos. Absolutely. And you're not going to have to pay for either one of those at wide receiver two cost. So they're both values. Ayuk obviously much more. So Kittle only played half a season, still the tight end three on the year uh, in points per game. So he's out there. He's the guy. He, he'll be the man. I, if I had to like, if, okay. Dynasty wise, Straight up dynasty, I would go with Ayuk over Debo because I'm just worried about injuries um, dating back to college as well. So I would actually go Ayuk over Debo and, and save the value and Kittle's Kittle. In redraft, haven't quite got there yet, but I lean Ayuk still because you're getting him three, four rounds later than Debo Samuel, who is an animal, but so is Brandon Ayuk. Yeah, just so you know, Sky, you, you lied a little bit. Debo's average at the target, according to Pro Football Focus, is 2.16 yards. So he was a huge downfield threat. I don't know what you're talking about, but two <laughs> yards average at the target is dominant as a wide receiver. So I, I must have I must have uh, seen another metric or, or something, but there, there's some metric where Debo was negative ADP in some level. I forget exactly what it was. Nonetheless, yeah. Yeah. A two yard, a two yard ADP. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. I mean, come on, folks. Like, like literally, what that means is the average depth of his targets were at two yards. So he's catching bubble screens mm-hmm. behind the line of scrimmage, not down the field. That's George Kittle. Their tight end is the field stretcher. And of course, look, if Jalen Hurd can stay healthy too, don't get me fired up with the Niners, bro. It's too early in the offseason for me to start <laughs> speculating. We don't have a quarterback yet. Uh, the quarterback we do have won't be our quarterback. I don't want to get into this, but Jalen Hurd. Straight, I'm going to throw this out there on the podcast just so I have it recorded. Jalen Hurd might be the best receiver on the team. I'm going to throw that out there right now. He might be the best receiver on the team. Hasn't played yet. Just going to put that out there. Just sell the farm. Call up the 49ers. Be like, three three first-round picks. Jimmy G, let's get Deshaun Watson in the door. Come on. My only issue is the, the what that, that always comes around to, J.J. Watt leaves, we need to get Nick Bosa. If I'm the Niners, I'm not giving up our J.J. Watt, who hasn't hit his prime yet, in my Uh opinion, for Deshaun Watson. I'm just going to throw that out there. We lost to Forrest Buckner, and that was a huge miss up in the middle, and you saw how dominant he was with the Colts. So I don't want to lose another part of that uh, defensive line that, frankly, the defensive line got us to the Super Bowl two years ago. So I digress. All right, folks, those are the top 24 fantasy football wide receivers from 2020, a recap of last year. Dweez and Lucas bringing in the top 24 tight ends on Thursday. Make sure you check that out. Make sure to catch us on a couple new channels, right? We got the YouTube channel now, which you're seeing here. Please subscribe, give a share, hit the bell, let us know. Uh, in the comments, any of the uh, different, maybe interesting stats that you heard or a couple of these guys that you had on your team who helped you win a hashtag TCK title. Also, of course, follow us on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore TCK pod on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. And we are brand new as of last week on TikTok, finally, at TCK pod at TCK pod. We're just starting out. We're getting the reallys rolling. Make sure you share and get us uh, out there to your friends and your family. And of course, Bobby LaMarco has his own channels as well. My man, where can everybody find you? Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at fantasy football X factor. Same thing with TikTok as well. I also uh, write for football.rasbowl.com in the off season and, and expand the box. Go, go check out my articles there, but always follow me on here. I'll be every here every week with sky talking football. Can't wait. Yes, sir. And I want to give one more shout out to the Jersey Jungle on Instagram. I've got four people already who have gotten jerseys from the Jersey Jungle. Super pumped. The hype is real. Make sure you go check those out. 60 bucks at cost. You're getting 10% off of those anyway. 15% off of an order of three if you want them. If I'm going to grab three receivers on this list that I don't have, I'm going to go Julio, who's not even on the list, but he's a legend, mm-hmm. and I'm taking it. I'm also taking a Larry Fitz 
who's not on the list, but also a Hall of Famer. And you know what? I might sneak in on an A.J. Brown before they get sold out. Bobby, who are three wide receivers on this list that oh. you want to get your hands on? You already mentioned Kenny Galladay. So what's oh, Kenny G. Kenny G uh, is definitely a guy that I would have to have on this list. Actually, the funny thing is, too, I would probably go off this, too. I'm actually kind of a big T. Higgins guy, kind of like him this offseason. Uh, so I really liked him. And then, you know, uh, I think I'm a little sentimental here, but uh, I think uh, a little Cole Beasley action, Ooh. you know, second team all pro. <laughs> best, <he> be- <laughs> best rapper in the game, man. I love yeah. it. Best rapper in the NFL. Hashtag Cole Beasley. Right on, man. Always a pleasure. Never a chore, my man. Bobby Lamarco, Sky Guasco with you on another episode of the Kendall City Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. We'll catch you next week. Thank you for staying tuned. Make sure you give us a follow. Episode 363 in the books for my man, Bobby Lamarco. I'm your host, Sky Guasco, and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.